1: Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Steve Martin and Martin Short perform live together at Wolf Trap in Vienna, Virginia for two nights this Saturday and Sunday. You'll hear from both comedy geniuses on this episode, starting with Martin Short, who joined me in 2016 to discuss his NBC variety show, Maya and Marty, co-starring Maya Rudolph.
2: Mr. Short, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jason. What do we have in store for the finale?
3: Uh, A lot of surprise guests. We have the great Emma Stone, of course. Kelly Ripa with Jiminy Glick.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You slipped into some Jiminy Glick, yeah. He'll be uh, interviewing her on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So you brought some Jiminy Glick back. Okay, okay. Um, Steve
3: Martin's on the show.
2: Oh, that's great. Um, all right, well, back it up a little. Let's, let's say, for instance, our listeners haven't seen it at all, because it's only been on, I think, like a, a month or two, right? So let's uh, take them yeah,
3: into... D- six six... Ep- it's limited run, six episodes.
2: Right, right. So take them into, you know, how this sucker got started. Um, you, obviously, you guys are both SNL alums, and you're shooting in 30 Rock, so you guys both know, you know, Lorne Michaels really well. But tell us how, uh, you know, you're both well-known people. How do you go in and pitch this thing and say, hey, this might
3: work? Um, we didn't pitch anything. Uh, Lorne Michaels, it was Lorne's idea. We had done the uh, musical and comedy section of the 40th anniversary. And Lauren had put Maya and myself and Mark Shaman and Fred Armisen in charge of that section, which was about 20 minutes of the show. And, um, and then we did it, and it was successful. But Lauren really responded to our chemistry together and thought that would be a great combination. And he said, how would you like to do a show together? And we both said, yeah.
2: <laughs> that's awesome
3: then we're doing a 30 rock and that makes it exciting
2: yeah so shooting in that same building do you uh, I, I mean I think I've seen Keenan Thompson I've seen some other people wander onto your show how does that work out do you just sort of walk down the hall and say hey do you guys want to come on this week's episode
3: no 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 it's, it's, it's more <laughs> professional than that yeah. Keenan is a series regular on that and each guest is uh, booked um, one night Jimmy Fallon jumped in and made a cameo appearance he'd also been a guest on the show but this is a later show uh, just because he's literally next door.
2: Yeah. We're
3: both on the um, floor of 30 Rock. He's in Studio 6, and we're in Studio 6A.
2: Speaking of which, I think you and Maya jumped over on his show, too. I was laughing my butt off at that. What was it, like Windy City Blues? And you guys... <laughs> <laughs> Right, yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> no. so you, you have to imagine. It literally is walking 30 feet to his studio. Wow.
2: 30 Feet at 30 Rock. There you go. There's your new title. Well, there you go. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, yeah, tell us, uh, did you grow up, you know, loving variety shows? You know, It's sort of like a thing that used to be decades ago, but are you guys sort of like trying to bring it back, or in your mind has it always been a viable thing?
3: Oh, I think it's always existed. It just isn't. that People don't use that term. Right. You know, if you had to describe America's Got Talent, which is our lead-in. True. You'd say, hmm, they have a juggler and a puppeteer <laughs> and a singer and a stand-up. That seems like a variety show to me. That's a good point, yeah. Or The or the Voice, or American Idol, or Dancing with the Stars. It's all, you know, entertainment and performing. That's what variety shows were, just under um, one heading of an hour show. So, But this is more, you know, in the terms of having famous people be the host every week. We haven't seen that for a while.
2: Right. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, have you had a favorite sketch so far out of the six? Yeah. Um, is
1: there one that you, you know, just couldn't I, keep it together?
3: I, I, you know, I tend not to sit back and say, my <laughs> God, I nailed it. You know, you can't kind of let people come up to you and tell you what they're like, because comedy is the most subjective thing in the world. Sure. People might love Jiminy Glick, and people might hate Jiminy Glick, and it doesn't mean anyone's wrong. It's just subjective.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, if you don't sit back and look and you'd rather have people come up and, and tell you, which what what has gotten the best reaction? What do most people come up and say, hey, I saw my Aunt Marty, That one was great.
3: Uh, they like uh, Jimmy Glick with Larry David. They like <laughs> uh, when Jimmy Fallon and I played uh, two little kids on Steve Harvey show. They liked... Uh, Maya Rudolph as Melania Trump. We've done a lot of stuff. That's great. In these shows.
2: Yeah. Tell me the you know sort of the genius of, of Maya. Why is she such a great partner to work with?
3: Do you know it is unbelievable. I am someone that if I'm shooting a, you know, we have a lot of film pieces in this right, show as well, and it's not just all live and in front of an audience. And you know, I'm someone who always kind of goes to the director. How was that? Was that should I bring that down? Should I bring that up? What do you think? I like a lot of feedback, and to me it's almost like by luck if you stumble in the right take. She is like Mozart. She just, whatever, if she's in a sketch or film, whatever she does, it's perfect. <laughs> and I've never <laughs> seen anything like it, really. For sure. Everybody really how- knows how to do it. She also did SNL for all those years, and you you hone your craft so well in doing something like that.
2: Yeah, I think she was in that Very Merry Christmas thing on Netflix. with That was like a variety of styles type thing, too. So, man, right. she, she can do it all. Um, awesome. T- take me into sort of the, the writing process for each one of these episodes. Because, you know, for us down in D.C., is all these, you know, political people. I take them into, the, you know, a day in the life of writing one of these episodes.
3: Well, it's all done, you know, in an organized fashion. You have early read-throughs and that some pieces get discarded and some people pieces go into rewrite and then you have uh, on the Monday before we take on Thursday you have a read-through and Lauren Michaels is there and all the writers and the crew and then we go into uh Lauren's office and we decide what's going to be in that show and then sets are being built and costumes are being made and you start rehearsing the next day
2: Awesome well, uh, we appreciate your time. I know we're up against the clock, but uh, before we go, i got to ask you, can you do anything with the rumors of, of Father of the Bride 3? I mean, I, I don't, is that bogus, or is this actually happening? That's bogus. <laughs> yeah, I've saw a bunch of sites were put, so I wanted to see what you thought about yeah, that. Yeah, no, no. Would
3: you, would, um, you, would you be up for it if it happened? You know, it's the kind of thing <laughs> that, uh, it's like if you repeat a character, if, there's nothing wrong with repeating a character if there's a very good reason to repeat that character. So you'd have to see who is going to direct it yeah you'd have to see who's going to write it yeah and you'd have to know that Steve and Diane Keaton were part of it it's in Kimberly Williams etc
2: Right. Well, let's focus on Maya and Marty for now. Uh, the finale yeah. coming up. We appreciate you taking the time, sir. I, we we loved you. I think you were at the Kennedy Center Honors a couple uh, years back doing. A I was for Tom su- Hanks. Yeah, doing the song and dance. So uh,
3: it, yes, was, sir. Was that a little bit of a
2: foreshadowing of Maya and Marty for us DC folks? If we tune in, and we'll see something similar.
3: Um, well, I think I think that, that there's a lot of variety. There's a lot of things going on that show you know it's not just one thing but there's certainly some song and dance as well
2: awesome well thanks we appreciate your time thank you sir
3: thank you
1: i also spoke with the legendary steve martin alongside musician edie brickell when they premiered their musical bright star at the kennedy center in 2015 before the show made its way to broadway earning five tony award nominations Apologies for conducting the interview in an echoey back room of the Kennedy Center, but we're playing it for you anyway. I mean, come on, it's Steve Martin. I'm here with
0: the one and only Steve, Steve
1: Martin <laughs> and... Steve.
2: <laughs> He's just taking it away. Um, and they uh, are co-creators of the brand new musical Bright Star, which is here at the Kennedy Center. Sort of a pre-run before it heads to Broadway, right? Um, we just talked to director, uh, Walter Bobby, mm-hmm. and the star, Carmen. And uh, Carmen, first of all, broke out in the song singing What I Am, all on her own, I don't know why. <laughs> yes. And Walter Bobby said that uh, it, when he first read it, it took his breath away. Is that a little exaggeration, or do you think he actually lost well, his breath? I well, remember he's on camera. <laughs> and,
4: uh, but you know, the, the, the show, uh, as... as uh, but call it melodic and sentimental and uh, kind as it is, is actually uh, quite shocking. And uh, I think that's probably what he's referring to. It's a couple of very shocking moments uh, in the play that that keep it uh, modern. Yeah. Keep it in the, in the forefront. You know. Yeah. So it's not just a sentimental sweet musical. Right.
2: He said that it was speaking of the sentimental side of it. He said that it, it was a little. I guess old-fashioned. I think of it as old, uh, newfangled old-fashioned music. <laughs> I like that. Why didn't you put that on the poster? Uh, well. <laughs> um, how did you guys, uh, you know, um, hook up to work on this? I know you, you you've, you've toured together musically. You've done even like an album together, mm-hmm. right? How did How did you first meet Steve? Two albums. Here. Two albums. Okay. How did you first meet Steve? Oh, I was twenty-three, and I met him at a dinner party. And he was... I was 70. <laughs> Still, back
4: <laughs> then. He was the, the sweetest stranger I'd ever met. He, uh, he, he was sitting across the table and he broke this garlic mustard and said, you really ought to try this. And the, go- the garlic mustard. It meant so much
0: to me that he even knew I,
4: I was sitting that, there. That really does not make a person kind. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what that, do I do? I'd gone, gone to a couple of dinners before and it was just so much... Um, anyway. Just bring it garlic, like like months, everywhere you go. It's like family. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. It carried It was just, the little things do add up. And by the way, I really want to amend something I said that I called the, the s- musical sentimental. Mm-hmm. But I mean that in the best sense of the word. Right. right now, where you uh, get into characters and they uh, have arguments. They break apart. They come back together. And mm-hmm. you know, like the best side of life. Yeah. I think you
2: guys. Is it possible you could do a play about you know the the garlic and call it the sweetest stranger I ever met? <laughs> That's like a good title. <laughs> all right, tell that we'll to you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll work on that. Tell us about um, you know we all. You, you obviously know what it's about. You created it. I know what it's about. But just for our listeners, give us give us a little synopsis. You're the best. Okay.
4: okay. Well, uh, because we have a uh, uh, an interesting hook in the story that you know, that is shocking to the audience. I don't like to give that away. No spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers. And um, thank you for coming up with that word. I've never heard that. uh, (laughs) So I describe it as a, the the show is set between 1923 and 1945. And it tells the story of a young woman and how how she matures. And there's a secret in her life that uh, comes to be resolved uh, toward the end of the play okay she discovered a secret about herself
2: but we're not telling you what that secret yeah. is you got to come see I that. call $60 <laughs> <laughs> you need like a discount 59 holidays 59.99 yeah. um, why what why said it in that time period take me back to when you guys sort of
4: you know brainchilded this thing that's a word now brainchild I think that's this. easy yeah because one we discussed this we've discussed different eras we discussed the 60s I said, well, you know, we one—if we do it modern, we have cell phones, and we don't want cell phones. It just there would be no story without cell phones. We needed an era with trains, and uh, you know, the trains were a very significant uh, form of transportation in the 20s, all the way through the 40s. It's a beautiful era.
0: And beautiful yes, to The yes. style
4: is just luscious. Yeah, the style is great. The language is great. You know. Uh, that people use, especially, you know, we, we are set in North Carolina, so we have a, 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 this you know, fountain of words that you might not hear in regular conversation. It's right. really fun to put those words in you know, people's mouths. You know, I keep, you know it's, even though it's set in a rural location, although it's set in Asheville too, but in a rural location, it's great to make the, the characters smart and have language because the people then, I actually researched this. Uh, they were uh, Presbyterian, and there was a big focus on education in Presbyterian society in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So you know we get the benefit of language and education, and it really helps the story. Absolutely.
2: Take me through some of that, some of the music, because you guys, I know both, obsessed with music outside of the show. You know, huge fans. But take me through, uh, you know, the process of, of
4: getting the, the songs. You know, the songbook. You know, uh, I might say so that Mike Nichols once said, don't ever, he told me, he said, don't ever go to the birthday party of someone who's written a musical. <laughs> and I said, why? And he said, because they will play you all the songs that have been cut from the show. <laughs> and, you know, we had a lot of songs that have been cut, good songs.
0: So we recorded them our right?
4: <laughs> oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good songs that have been
4: cut, but and we found they just didn't... You know explicitly tell the story or work in the way or maybe the scene did the work of the song or sometimes a song does the work of the scene or we'll cut the scene let the song be there and uh, you know you're you're constantly playing i don't know what to, you should talk too but uh, you know <laughs> with the organization of these songs and the stories and you know you can't be like five slow songs in a row it's right. you know just basic show business right 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 um and
2: Rest in peace, Mike Nichols. Obviously, mm-hmm. you mentioned him, but if anyone knew Mike Nichols, it was your husband, mm-hmm. right, Paul Simon? I think he knows him better. Yeah, a he little bit, that. slightly. Um, did you did did when you when you are working on this thing, do you come home and say, hey hey Paul, I'm working on this
4: thing? I, right? I do that. You do I, that? I, <laughs> Paul, I'm working on it. I'm working, I'm working, yeah. You know, Phil, actually, Edie ED it works on this stuff completely by herself. Yeah. And I think that's the. Uh, Creative impulse—you just really can't have input.
0: I think the yeah. thing is too when you have two songwriters living together, you 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 recognize that songwriting is a very private and independent expression. And Paul is so busy doing the Paul Simon schedule yeah. that when we get together in our home, it's about
2: our kids or dinner or our right. dogs and them peeing on the rug and things. We're <laughs> taking care of those issues rather than. Paul, Check out my song. Yeah,
0: yeah. It just does Paul's exist.
2: dog be on your rug too? These, Paul, it would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After the dogs, you want to okay. be Yeah,
0: yeah. So that's more of the safe, private space yeah. away from the the separate work. I world think here. that makes better sense, don't you? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was,
2: I was actually just curious because we just had Carol King here for the Kennedy Center Honors, and you know, she and her and her husband, they they co-wrote a lot of songs together. So I was curious how that interplayed. You was. know what else is. It? Paul has mastered the simple song. He's yeah. moved on to
0: another quality of expression, and I'm still trying to master the simple <laughs> song. But that's what I've tried to do with our musical. I'm still yeah. very much interested yeah. in that process, and he's simply not. <laughs> <laughs> do
2: you guys have... I know the, the cop-out answer would be, I love all the songs, but which one when you watch it night in, night out, say, and that we really know
4: that one? You know, uh, as there's some new songs in the show. Uh, 180 did a brilliant job of on her own uh, that they call the 11 o'clock number in, in musical circles Thank you and, but, and, and that is very beautiful So so a new song always gets your attention but I still love uh, Always Will, it's a song it that two, so sweet. two lovers sing when uh, they find out, discover they're in love um, It's one of those songs that every time we hear it or he'll sing it sometimes and I, I think we're
1: so lucky that that floated down to us, because it sounds like a song <clears throat> that should have already been written. Yeah. It's so simple, and, and I can't believe it came to us. Absolutely. Well, and what what drew you to, you know, I'm, I assume
2: you've always been big fans of the theater and Broadway, but, you know, what drew you to taking, you know, this new admin, because you guys have know music, movies, everything, but talk about what, what makes the stage so alive and how you got involved with the guy that revived Chicago, of all things, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, just what, what the, is it a magic of a live audience, or what is
4: it? Well, for me, there, there was two things. One, Edie and I discussed how much we loved the musicals we grew up on. Yeah. And that got us excited, uh, talking about the possibility of doing one. Which ones did you? Oh! Son- uh, Son- I Son- music, music. I love there. Music Man, yeah. and, uh... Rita Moreno was just... gypsy, you know. Just, and West Side Story was like one of my favorites. Yeah. Funny girl. Funny girl. <laughs> and um, but also I realized that it's one of the last analog experiences you can have. True. You have to go. You're supposed to turn off your phone <laughs> and you can't download it. You just have to watch it. And that that kind of a t- and by the way that puts an extra challenge on modern shows. They have to compete with multitasking. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah They yeah. have to hold your attention for that two hours. True. I love that our show is just slightly under two hours too. Yeah, I think too. that's exactly. Right. Is that intentional? Always. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not the time, but to c- right. keep it trim and succinct. Keep uh, it. Right. You know, and yet still have time to uh, treat an issue. With respect and and good language. Yeah. How
2: about you, Edie? Is that why? Why? What does the stage do to you? You mentioned Funny Girl, and you know, so I guess you know, Shreya's fan and all that. But what? Uh, you know, why? What keeps drawing you to the theater? Well, this is the first time I've been going to the theater, really. Um, and I'm discovering the
0: talent of all of our collaborators and our team. I didn't know that everyone's an artist from lights, to stage, sound obviously the director of the choreographer. I didn't realize what all the choreographer does. Our music director. right, And of
4: course our cast. The, the, the passion that they put into every performance mm-hmm. and how hard they work. We're really grateful for our cast. And Walter Boddy has done such a great job. And Rob Berman, music. And Josh Rhodes, the choreographer. All these people. And Peter Asher, who produced all our records and kind of created the sound.
0: They're artists. They have vision, and they bring it to our musical, and they make it so good for us. I'm so grateful to them.
4: Collaborative process. It's
0: so much fun.
2: What? Uh, what was it? Are you here for the, the duration at the Kennedy Center, or you know, are you just here, kind of doing the press thing now? Or you know? no, no, we are here every night on okay. the show okay. and, and uh, mending, tweaking. repairing, right. tweaking. What was it like the first time you were sitting there watching it at the Kennedy Center, unfold in this
4: beautiful space, and say, "Hey, that's our that's our musical up there"? Frankly, for me, it's frightening <laughs> because you know that's the first time, right? It, you know, in a sense that the audience has seen what we've done, and so you're not even yourself. You're kind of listening and watching, listening, right? And also, the cast is you know very new to what they're doing, and all good actors and comedians need just a little bit of feedback from right tonight to know, I see this is where that map is, and this is where this space should be, and it's right. like this scene holds, uh, so I can I can take my time with it. And those things are just learned over time. I always think a oh, oh, first night show should be $12. <laughs> <No. laughs>
2: Better than the $59 it takes to, to reveal the to secret. <laughs> okay. but, uh, but cool, yeah. Um, how about you, Gini? Are you peeking out the corner of your eye there, at the audience as it's going on? Yeah, I watch them. Mostly I sit there and I think, I, I can't believe how lucky I am to be a part of this. And I, yeah.
0: I, I, I get involved in the show and then suddenly I stop and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I, it, I was, and I'm so grateful, again, for all of their talent, that they can take a song and make it so big and beautiful. And that, I get again, I get to be a part of it. I'm thrilled. Thanks, Steve, too. He's right. He's so wonderful. They're
2: just elbowing each other over there. Mm -hmm. Thank you. We say thank you, thank you, thank you for bringing
4: it here. We hope uh, Washington enjoys the show. I mean, George Washington.
1: (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.